Good morning, church family. I'd like to encourage you to take your copy of God's Word and look with me to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 20. We'll be in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12 today, Exodus 20, verse 12, as we continue to make our way through the Ten Commandments and see God's revelation of Himself to us and what He expects of us as we live in relationship with Him. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. This is the commandment that all of the parents have been looking forward to you children hearing this morning. I heard from some of your parents. As soon as I announced I would be preaching through the Ten Commandments, some of them came to me and said, that's fantastic. My children need to hear that. So your parents are delighted this morning, students, that you are hearing this text of Scripture from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. But parents, I might say to you this morning that this command is more than just for your children. It's also for us. For this command is a disposition of one's heart, one's heart ultimately lived in relationship to the Lord. You know this command. Well, honor your father and your mother. Even notice the language of this text of Scripture. Father and mother. This is a commandment that is rooted in creation itself. It is a creation principle. For in creation, we see God himself creating the very foundation of culture, of society. And what is that very foundation? That foundation is family. This text of Scripture works off of the assumption that we too buy into this creation narrative that in the beginning God created Adam and Eve, and in that creation He gave to them children. We do live in a culture in which the very fabric of the culture family, a war is being waged against it. A war is waged against family at at every moment. A war is waged just in terms of definition of what family even is. If we can eradicate this very foundational principle, you can eradicate one's culture. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, is the fifth commandment. It's also the second, and there are only two, but it's the second of the commandments that is stated in the positive. There's not a do not here, much like our commandment that we noted last week. Commandment number four, remember the Sabbath day, to honor it, to keep it holy. This commandment, too, is stated in the affirmative. Honor your father and your mother. The other commandments, you shall not. You shall not. You shall not. We also come to this commandment, and we wonder exactly how does this commandment fit into the tablets? Is it part of the first tablet, perhaps, 
part of the first five or is it part of the second half, if you will? Is it part of our relationship that defines our relationship with God horizontally or is it part of the commandments that speak of our relationships vertically, our relationships with one another? You might remember in my introductory sermon, I made somewhat of a plea in understanding this fifth commandment as being part of that first tablet, that first listing of the Ten Commandments that has to do with a vertical relationship. Why might I argue that? Each of these first five commandments itself mentions Yahweh's name. Every one of the first Five commandments specifically mentions Yahweh's name. Once we get to commandment number six, you shall not murder. To the end, we do not see Yahweh's name mentioned in relationship to the commandments. This commandment stands as the center, I think, pointing us both to that vertical and to that horizontal relationship. Even this very beginning narrative to honor, and we'll get there in just a few moments, is a, an expectation, a command that we as believers have in our relationship to the Lord. We are called to honor the Lord. And as we make our way through this sermon, I'm going to make an argument that it's impossible for us to actually honor our parents if we're not living in honor toward the Lord. But I think it also serves as the first of the commandments that speak of that vertical relationship. See, friends, how we respond to our parents is an indication of how we will respond to others. It's an indication of, of how we respond to the Lord, but it's also an indication of how we will respond to others, our neighbors, to our other family members. If one does not honor his or her parents, we should not expect that one to walk honorably toward others. We are called to honor our father and mother. Let's hear the reading of this text of Scripture, this fifth commandment in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This commandment starts with this word to honor. What does the word honor mean? It means honor. It means to be weighty. It means to be heavy, to weigh heavily upon, to be dull, to enjoy honor. You say, now wait a minute, pastor. Some of these meanings are very disconnected. I'm not sure I track with weighty and honor and, and understanding the same way or, or dull and, and heavy. How do these words apply in this way? This word to honor is used in the following ways in the text of Scripture. It literally refers to someone who is heavy in stature. In other words, you've been there before. You stepped on the scales and you said, oh my, I am too heavy. Yes. Or like me, you put on a jacket this morning and can barely get it buttoned. You think, I am too 
heavy. It's used of Eli in 1 Samuel. You remember the narrative in in 1 Samuel chapter 4, right at Eli's death, the Bible tells us that he was too heavy. It also speaks, uh, uses this same word in reference to certain body parts. For example, when the text of Scripture speaks of one's liver, the concept is the liver was the weightiest, the heaviest of the organs inside of us. You might also find it surprising that this is one of three words that Moses would use in the narrative with the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh had a heavy heart. See, friends, disobedience, sin in our lives creates a heavy heart in us. It was weighing Pharaoh down, we might say. The same word used for Pharaoh's heart. It was, it was heavy. It's also used in reference to that which is important or, or weighty or, or heavy. As Abraham, the text of Scripture tells us, he was rich with livestock, silver, and gold. What does the text mean when he says he was rich with? It means heavy with. He had a lot of livestock and a lot of silver and gold. It was weighing him down. We might say, as one author said in our American language today, we might use this word honor when we reflect upon someone who bears an important role in, in culture, our society. We will say that person, he carries a lot of weight. Think of the mayor. Think of the governor. Think of the owner of a company. Think of the sheriff in town. He carries a lot of weight. This word also appears in its noun form, and you have heard it often in its noun form through the translation of Glory. This is what Isaiah sees in Isaiah chapter 6 as he reflects on the very character of the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The earth is full of his what? It's full of his glory. It's full of his glory. This word is also used in response to submission to Authority. Pastor Ryan encourages from a text of Scripture just a few moments ago to be a people who show honor to those in positions of power. A subject honors the king. A soldier honors his officers. Israel was called to honor the Lord. So as we reflect upon this text of Scripture to honor your father and mother, this is a passage of Scripture that speaks more to our heart, our heart's disposition toward our parents more than it speaks necessarily to an action that we give toward our parents. Now, we can't disconnect these two. Jesus says our mouths speak out of the overflow of our what? 
our heart. We act toward our parents out of the overflow of our heart. God, in the giving of this commandment, is very concerned with our disposition and the way in which we understand or the way in which we view our parents. This is a call for you and me to hold our parents in in high honor, in high regard, to think well about our parents. And friend, the fact of the matter is, regardless of who our parents are, none of us would be here today without them. Not a single one of us would be here today without our parents. The text is not telling us or giving us exceptions to this concept of honor. Carly was over at the house yesterday and she was doing some nursing schoolwork and she was um, reading through a section on abuse. And so I took her chapter and read a section of that chapter as it was talking about child abuse. And it was saddening to me that 90% of all child abuse occurs at the hands of parents. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're one of those children. You grew up in a home where you didn't have honorable parents. And the way in which they responded to you was sinful. It was neglect in every measurable way. Friend, I want you to hear from this text of Scripture, though, that God still commands us, regardless of those circumstances, to give honor to our parents. To hold them in high regard. To respect them. Why? Because in many ways, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, this commandment stands right in the center And our parents are to be serving in some ways as a representative of God. And how we respond, how we honor, how we hold them in high regard is an indication ultimately of our heart's disposition before the Lord. What's the difference between honor and obey? Is there a difference between honoring and obeying? Does this commandment mean Frankie Johnson grew up in the life of our church, his sweet mom and Miss Hazel is seated back over there? Does this mean that um, Frankie, uh, he's in his mid-30s, does it mean that Miss um, Hazel, who is back there in her early 50s, does it mean that she, has, she can call him up and say, Frankie, at 2 o'clock tomorrow, I want you at my house to mow my lawn? And does Frankie have to say, yes, ma'am? He better. What's the difference between honoring and obeying? To honor is larger 
than to obey. As one theologian said, honor is frequently mentioned as a proper response to God and is consonant consonant with worship. See, it's easier to obey than it is to honor. I can obey with a heart that does not honor or respect. One of the important things we try to teach our children as, as young children was immediate obedience. Obedience is exceedingly important, right? I want to be able to say to the children, David, take out the trash. But Daddy, I'm playing a video game, and I want to play this video game for 45 more minutes. No, take the trash out now. Yes, sir, I'll do that. I want to say to Anna, Anna, um, please vacuum the floor. And I want her to say, yes, sir, I'll, I'll do that. Right? We want to teach immediate obedience to our children because it has incredible implications in their hearts and their lives as they grow older. But one thing that we did not do in the Richardson household is teach yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. Now, before you throw tomatoes at me up here, let me explain. Dalton learned yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. And we moved to Fort Worth. And Dalton's first grade teacher on the third day of school phoned us and said, I need to have a parent conference meeting with you. What? Like, Dalton was just the most kind, gracious kid, never in trouble. The only thing Dalton ever got in trouble for was talking. And believe me, the kid talked nonstop when he was younger. I'm convinced the Lord has created all of us with a certain number of words, and when those words run out, we just stop talking. Dalton used every one of his words between birth and, say, like fifth grade. So she calls and says, I I need to have a parent-teacher meeting. Eric and I can't under... What in the world? What? So we show up, and she tells us, your son is really smart, Alec. What? I tell him to do something, and he says to me, yes, ma'am. And I tell him not to do something. And he says, yes, ma'am. We learned that Fort Worth was where the West began. And in the West, they don't say yes, ma'am and no, ma'am. That conversation led us down a journey not to not be concerned about that conversation, but to be far more concerned about our children's heart's disposition toward us than we are in whether they say yes ma'am or no ma'am. You can say, yes sir, I'll do it, and do it with the wrong heart and the wrong attitude, and just because you said yes sir doesn't make it right. Now I'm going to take a time out real quick. You want me to tell you a funny story about yes ma'am and no ma'am in the Richardson household? We moved here, we're just getting to know you guys, and the Morgans. You guys know the Morgans? Charles and Carlita sitting back over here. They were so sweet and kind. And they invited us over to their house. Our perception of the Morgans were they were very proper. You know, I imagined when we got there that the napkins would all be on the right-hand side with all the silverware lined up in the right order. And Erica spent an entire week at our house, no school, with the kids saying, 
Repeat after me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Uh, so forth and so on, you know. Do not get over to the Morgans and say yes to them, okay? Say yes, ma'am. Oh, and we had a time of our lives at the Morgans. Can I tell you, we completely misread them. Hey, children, if your parents teach you to say yes, sir, and no, sir, guess what you got to do? Do it. Here's what I'm saying to you. Honor your parents is not so much concerned with whether you say yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am. It's far more concerned with what is your heart's disposition toward your parents. You can obey your parents and do it dishonoring them. But you will never honor your parents and disobey them. You can't do it. This text is calling us to honor our parents. Society thrives when there is respect and authority for familial relationships. This is a foundational principle for society, for culture, for how we ultimately respond to the rest of these Ten Commandments. Notice what this text says after obey or honor your father and mother for what reason? That your days may be what? Long in the land. What does this text of Scripture mean? The extension of days is often frequently mentioned in Scripture as a benefit of walking obediently before the Lord. It's often used as an example of a reward of being faithful. For example, in Exodus chapter 23, when the Lord is telling the nation of Israel about the, their conquest into Canaan land, he gives them the promise that they will live long in the land, that they will walk in obedience to them. Look with me in Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10 for a quick moment. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27. The fear of the Lord does what? Prolongs life. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. There are all kinds of promises from the Lord about the extension of days or the occupation of land. But is this a promise from God that if you walk with honor toward your parents that you are guaranteed that you are going to live to be 100 years old? Is this a, is this a promise? It's not an exact promise. It's a general principle in life. For example, there's a proverb that says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not what? He won't depart from it. Is that a promise that if I raise my children faithfully, if I teach them to love the Lord, if I bring them to church, is that a promise that my child will himself also be a believer and faithfully follow the Lord? 
No. It's a general principle in life. I submit to you this morning that the promise of this text of Scripture is not primarily a promise in relationship to quality of days. Rather, it's in relationship to quantity. Wait a minute. Did I say that backwards? I said that one backwards. I just called it. It's a promise of the quality of life. This is what Paul, look with me in Ephesians chapter 6. This is what Paul is hinting at in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents. How? In the Lord. For this is right. We're going to come back to that. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may do what? Go well with you. And then notice what Paul does. He concludes that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. It's a promise of a blessing from God to you and me if we live our lives with a disposition of honor, of regarding our parents with high esteem, of, of understanding who they are, in relationship to God, we have a promise from God that things may go well with you. I can promise you, as a young kid, I learned by the time I, was, I got to middle school that it was much easier in life, Brother Rob, if I just obeyed my parents. Now, my parents were mean. For example, my mother would make me kneel in rice. Have you ever kneeled, knelt in rice? She says that's because the spanking didn't work. I learned for sure by the time I got to middle school, it's not worth fighting daddy. He is going to win. But it wasn't that I just figured out I could avoid the spanking or whatever negative implication it was. There was so much more peace in my relationship with my parents when I walked obediently. There was a sense of, of harmony that took place in our home. The tension was, was lowered. It was much easier just to walk and obedience ultimately to the Lord by honoring my parents than it was to fight my parents. Don't tell my sisters I said this. It took them much longer to learn that lesson than it did for me. Honor your parents, children. Why? It may go well with you. Not that you avoid the negative consequences but you reap the positive benefits of walking in an honorable way toward 
your parents. One theologian wrote, quote, obedience to these commandments that focus on how a person is to relate and respond to God will result in the extension of an enriched life in the land. The ability of future generations to live and inherit the promised land from their parents is directly related to honoring them. And so too is it in our lives and in our culture. Where there is no honor for our parents, there will be no blessing from God. If you want to see cultures and societies that crumble, look at cultures and societies that operate with a lack of honor toward parents. One of the things that I've so appreciated about the Indian culture, having been to India multiple times in the last 20 plus years, is the high regard that that culture operates with concerning parents. It is incredible. It's encouraging in so many ways, not just in regard to parents. There's a much higher regard for, for the elderly in the Indian society. And I can remember as we were getting to know our good friends, Abraham and Elsie and their, their children, Finney, many of you know Finney and their, and their two daughters. It was interesting to watch that progression of relationship grow. And one of the things I so appreciated about Finney at every turn was Finney was never willing to go against his father and mother. Why? He learned the biblical principle. Honor your father and mother. Why? There are benefits when we live in this way. How else is the fifth commandment used in the Old Testament? Deuteronomy chapter 21, I'm not going to read it for you this morning, but you can write it down and read it later. Deuteronomy chapter 21 demands, expects our honor toward our parents, and Deuteronomy 21 even gives us an example of what happens to a son who is not walking in obedience to his parents. What happens to that son in the context of culture? He ends up being stoned. The Old Testament Primarily in the book of Proverbs, which is where the majority of the fleshing out of the fifth commandment occurs in the Old Testament, requires that children adhere to the teaching of their parents. It includes the following. Parents, you'll be thankful for this. Children, don't kill your parents. That's one way for you to honor them. Don't curse your parents. Exodus 21 17. Don't steal from your parents. Proverbs 28, 24. Do not treat them with scorn. Deuteronomy 27. Dishonoring includes striking, insulting, and behaving disrespectfully toward your parents. Deuteronomy 27, verse 16. And as I said a few moments ago, the majority of the fleshing out of the fifth commandment occurs in Proverbs. Look with me just quickly to a few of those Proverbs. We'll start in Proverbs 1. Proverbs 1. Proverbs 1, verses 8 and 9. Hear, my son, your father's instruction... And forsake not your mother's teaching. Why? 
for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Do you hear Paul's words? So that it may go well for you. Look at Proverbs 6, verse 20. Proverbs 6. Twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, and twenty-three. My son, keep your father's commandment, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching is a light, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. Look at Proverb fifteen. Proverb fifteen. We'll look at two here, 15.5 and 15.20. A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. Look at verse 20. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. And we can continue for the next 20 minutes reading various Proverbs that teach us or show us how we apply the fifth commandment in the way in which we live our lives. Okay, Pastor, I understand the Old Testament. What about the, what about the New Testament? You remember in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus is in a conversation with the disciples sorry, with the Pharisees, and the Pharisees had a way of exploiting uh, the commands of the Lord. 15, Matthew chapter 15, verses 4, 5, and 6. Uh, Let's start in chapter 15, verse 1. Then the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. And he answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Oof. For God commanded, honor your father and mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. What does Jesus say? You hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, the people honor, the people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Jesus was reminding the Pharisees that the fifth commandment was actually far more weightier than what they understood it to be. They were seeking to undermine the command of God. Romans chapter 1, Paul is giving us a list of all of these wicked actions that are actions that ultimately show the depravity of, of the human heart. And what does he list in verse 30 as being one of those actions that communicates one is completely far away from God? Romans 1 verse 30, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. Dishonoring to parents. 
Paul tells us in 2 Timothy that one of the evidences of Jesus' return as he looks at just how bad culture and society is, he tells us that one of those evidences is a culture, society, a world where people are overly dishonoring and disobedient to their parents. What was the example of Jesus in the New Testament? In Luke chapter 2, we see Jesus going with his parents to the temple, and the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2, verse 51, that Jesus was submissive to his parents. Look with me in John chapter 12. In John chapter 12, John has a whole lot to say about Jesus' relationship to the Father. John chapter 12, verse 49 For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know what his commandment is, eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father told me. Jesus walked in perfect obedience to the Father. And Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, that Jesus was even obedient to what? Death. Even death on the cross. Jesus serves for you and me as a perfect example of how we can walk in obedience to this commandment of the Lord to honor our parents, to honor our father and our mother. And the fact of the matter is, friends, Apart from the work of Christ having been applied to our lives, you and I will never honor our father and our mother. Jesus set that paradigm for us, and the only way we accomplish this command, the only way we walk in obedience to this command is when you and I walk like Jesus walked, when we live like Jesus lived. And the only way for us to be like Jesus is to repent of our sins and to trust in Him. Friend, if you're here today and you find yourself in constant turmoil with your parents, constant tension with your parents, if you're here today and you know in your own heart that you have no regard for them, regardless of what they've done toward you, might it be might it be the reason is that you have never Trusted in Christ. Trust in Christ. Believe in Christ. Student, teenager, if, you, if you're here this morning and you find yourself constantly rebelling against your parents, if you find yourself in constant tension with your parents, if it's, if it's always a fight internally and a struggle internally for you to honor your parents, to obey your parents, might it be this morning because you have never repented of your sins and trust in Christ? Would you trust in Christ today? Would you believe in Jesus today? Would you stop rebelling against your parents would you start honoring your parents? Okay, pastor, I hear you, but I have some questions. I have parents that are simply not believers, and the expectation 
that they have for me is completely contrary to what I believe the text of Scripture is calling me to do. Do I have to honor my parents even when what they require of me is contrary to the text of Scripture? Friend, I want to remind us to keep these two concepts in tension with one another, but also separate from one another. To honor is completely distinct from to obey. But clearly, the two concepts are held in tension to one another. You do not have to obey any authority that demands of you disobedience to God. You don't have to do it. We must first and foremost obey God. But what about in those areas that are great? What about in those areas where my parents are demanding or expecting of me a certain action that isn't necessarily biblically wrong and they expect of me a response in this way. Well, friend, first of all, always show honor and regard towards your parents with your, with your attitude, with your attitude and your actions, the way you respond to them. Always show honor to them. One of the things we tried to do with our children as they were growing up was expect and demand immediate obedience but I also wanted to give my children the ability to push back against me, to not be afraid to come to me and say, Daddy, I disagree with that. Now, you can't come to me, you know, with your fist raised or point your finger in my face or or screaming at me and do that. But if you disagree with an action that I've taken, I'm not God. I'm not reigning supreme. I make errors. I make errors in judgment. I wanted my kids to be able to come back and say, Daddy, I disagree with what you've had to say with me or expect of me for these two or three or four or five reasons. Let's reason together. What was I trying to communicate to my kids? And that I wanted to teach them to think, number one, to think critically, but to show honor. We can still show honor even when we disagree with our parents. But friend, if you have an unbelieving parent don't, or parents, don't ever expect your unbelieving parents to comprehend or understand a Christian world view. And there are numerous conversations that take place in a concept of a Christian worldview. Who to marry? When to marry? What type of job? I might pursue or not pursue. You can still disagree with your parents' decisions in some of those ways and yet still honor them. Don't confuse honor with obey. You must always honor your parents in everything, in your attitudes and your actions. 
One way that our current American culture does not do well with this concept of honoring our parents is the way in which we care for our parents in their old age. This text of Scripture demands from you and me that as believers, we care for our parents in a specific way in their old age. Look with me to 1 Timothy, and let's hear what Paul had to say about this concept in 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. Actually, I'm going to read all the way down to verse 8. Honor widows who are truly widows, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. Verse 8, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Where is Paul getting this understanding for how one is to respond in this way? It's a biblical theological response following the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother. Friends, one of the most encouraging things that I have the opportunity to see sitting in, in the position of, of pastor is to know so many of you so well and to see some of you who are in this moment in your life having to care in a unique way for your parents. Some of you are giving up jobs to care for your parents. Some of you are having to rearrange everything in your home to bring a parent into your home and to care for them. I want to encourage you, friend, that one of the greatest ways we have to evidence our faith and our hope and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ is the way that we care for our elderly, the way that we care for our parents in their old age. One of the ways that we can honor our parents is by caring for them in this way. So parents, be very careful how you treat their, your kids when they're younger. If you let them get diaper rash, One of the ways that we can obediently respond to the fifth commandment, purpose in your heart now that you will honor your parents by caring well for them. Even if it means having to rearrange and reorient your entire life, you care for them well. But parents, I said to you at the beginning, this isn't only a conversation for your children. It's also a conversation for you and for me. Children, honor your parents. Let's go back to these commandments. The first set of commandments, whether you include five in the first five or five in the second uh, half. The first four commandments, at least, all specifically have something to say to us about how we are to walk in relationship to whom? 
God. Parents, one of the greatest ways you have to teach your children to walk in obedience to the fifth commandment is by you walking in faithful obedience to the first four commandments. You honor God with your life. You honor God in your worship. And by doing so, you're constructing for your family parameters. You're constructing for your family an example of what you want them to emulate in their own lives. Honor for you. Honor your father and your mother so that it may go well with you. I think this strikes not only at the heart of relationships between children and parents and parents toward children and all of our relationship with one another and to God. But lastly, I think this text of Scripture also has something to say to you and me about the way in which we not only honor our father and mother, but the way in which we view all people. You remember Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he's responding to God's work in his life. And he he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that the love of Christ compels us. He says it controls us. We've concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And then he makes this this wonderful confession. We used to regard Christ according to the flesh, but we regard him in this way no longer. What is Paul saying? Paul's given a confession that as a lost man, as an unregenerate man, as a man whose heart has not been redeemed by God, He had a terrible view of others. And that terrible view even extended to Jesus. He hated our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But what is Paul acknowledging? That when Christ changed his life, it changed the way in which he views other people. And this is what John is writing in 1 John, when he strikes at the heart of our love for the Lord and our love for others. Be careful. Do not claim that you love God whom you have not seen and claim that you hate your brother whom you have seen. This commandment, friend, is ultimately teaching you and me that as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we ought to honor all people. We ought to respect all people. Why? Because God, through Christ, to those of us who were the least honorable of all, God has shown us His love and His compassion and His grace. And if God could look at you and me, sinners separated from God, sinners who hated God, if He can look at us and extend His love and His forgiveness and His kindness, if Jesus can look at Judas and show kindness to Judas, pray tell me, who can you and I 
not likewise show kindness and honor and respect. May God, by His Spirit, lead each of us to live lives who walk in obedience to this fifth commandment. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for Your grace to us. We thank You for the words of Scripture that call us to obedience to You, to faithfulness. And we pause for a few moments to pray and ask of You, Lord, that by Your Spirit You might cause each of us to walk in obedience to this passage of Scripture. Would you take a few moments where you're seated this morning and reflect on this text of Scripture? Would you do a heart check this morning? Are you honoring your parents? How do you think of them? Do you find it easier to talk ill of them than you do to respond to them in love? Then you're not honoring them. Are you committed to caring for your parents? You say, Pastor, really, I've never thought about that. Would you purpose in your heart now to demonstrate that honor to your parents? And perhaps you're here and you've never trusted in Christ. And so honor is a concept that you don't understand. We would urge you this morning, even where you're seated, to trust in Christ, to believe in Him. And perhaps, whether a student or an older adult, a middle-aged adult, perhaps your right response to this sermon is you need to have a conversation with your parents this afternoon. And just make a confession to them. Mom and Dad, I've not been honoring you in my thoughts, my attitude, my actions. Would you repent before the Lord and seek the forgiveness of your parents? In just a few moments, we're going to stand and respond to the preaching of God's Word. As we stand to sing, if you're here and you have questions about what it means to trust in Christ, myself and Pastor Travis would be standing down front. We would delight in answering any questions you might have about trusting in Christ. But friend, you don't have to come forward and speak to one of us. There are plenty of people seated around you that would delight in sharing with you how you can trust in Christ. Secondly, maybe you'd like for one of us just to pray with you that the truths of this text of Scripture might indeed be evident in your heart, in your life. We would delight in shepherding your heart by praying with you. Or thirdly, maybe God has impressed it upon your heart that this is a church in which you need to be connected to live out your life on mission with Christ. This would be an opportunity for you to express your interest in being part of this faith family. Lord, as we respond to you now, we ask that our response be pleasing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you